Denver Ad School is filled with passionate creatives from all different backgrounds. In this episode, I speak with my classmate, art director Shantice Edwards. We talk about what it's like moving from a different region of the country to Colorado, drawing and designing fashion at a young age, and how clothing and physical spaces can inspire a reaction and a mood. My name is Jeff Olery, and this is Journey to Add. I think the thing about millennials that is still kind of like shell-shocking people is like our prioritization of our quality of life over money. Yeah. And it is also interesting because I feel like that's just opposed against a lot of us not moving out of our parents' house a lot like sooner than probably like the generation before us. Yeah. But it's also a totally different like market and cost of living. So. Yeah. I think that is really interesting though because like I feel like the previous generation kind of had this like stigma or idea of like all right once you're like 18 or like once you go to college like you need to move out like Mm -hmm. you you leave you go for forge your own path and everything and it seems like millennials are a lot more like comfortable like leaning on mom and dad Mm -hmm. or like leaning on other people like family members kind of do that yeah but also rent is just like ridiculous like yeah I don't know what it's going to give because it's just, it doesn't stop climbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even like, even like areas that are traditionally cheaper, it's just like, just this slow roll of just increased, increased annual rent or increased amount of rent each year. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're very fortunate because we're in an industry where we can compete with like what the market's looking like and the yeah. cost of living is like. Um, and we can kind of like get into that price point pretty quickly in our careers. But I just think of like other people who don't have that same privilege. And I'm just like, damn, <laughs> this is yeah. this is a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Well, enough fun talk. <laughs> Let's get down to business. Let's do it. Shantice, where are you from? I am from Georgia, um, originally from Hinesville, Georgia, um, which is by Savannah. And then I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia at Georgia State. And then I stayed there for about eight years. Okay. And now I'm here. (laughs) You're out here in Denver. I know from knowing you that you miss home. What do you miss about home? (laughs) Um, I just feel like, you know, home is wherever you feel like the most... I guess understood or, you know, you feel like you have uh, pockets of communities where you can access that have like a lot of people have the same interests as you. And I think that Denver is an awesome place to come and and, and go to school. And I think a lot of people will be happy here. Um, But I think for me as a black woman, just like the lack of diversity and sometimes that trickles down to just like even activities that are easily accessible Mm -hmm. or what the main thing that people like to do over the weekends is. I think that's been my hardest thing to, okay. to like to cope with. But at the same time, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise because I feel like I have had to force myself to be a little bit more outgoing or, you know, I've tried things and, and hung out with people and, and participate in activities that I might not have been able to do if everything I already liked was like readily accessible and available. So okay. I feel like I'm not only just growing professionally, but what I was not anticipating was how much personal growth comes with moving into a completely different region with a totally different culture than where I'm from, which is the South. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. What sorts of things did you, like, do back back home? Like, what sorts of things do you miss getting the chance to do? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's going to sound like, okay, you could do all these things in Denver, but... <laughs> 
But I think it's also like the genre or the type of crowd or like people who have a certain level of interest in certain things. So like okay. for me, you know, it is kind of hard for me to find like a place to go out to on Saturday or Friday night that has like the music I like to listen to playing in rotation or you know, certain artists don't stop in Denver that used to stop in Atlanta anymore. Mm, okay. And, um, you know, obviously we're in the middle of COVID, so a lot of that stuff is is no longer for the foreseeable future. Doesn't really make a difference yeah. whether it's coming to Denver or not. We're all just kind of in this together at this point. Yeah. But um, I just think it's more, it's not more so like the type of activities, it's like the crowd or genre okay. of those activities. And Denver's extremely outdoor focused. Yeah. Colorado is. And I love that because I love the outdoors, but I don't feel like worthy of calling myself like a nature person in comparison to a Coloradoan because they go hard. Like (laughs) they're like climbing 14ers every weekend and like camping and all that cool stuff, which I think is pretty dope. But like you would never find me doing that on any given weekend in in Georgia. (laughs) I feel that. Yeah, no, it's like from for me, like being back home in St. Louis, like there's not hiking like if you're a Colorado and there's not hiking like in Missouri or whatever like yeah there's some forests there's like Mark Twain National Forest where I'm sure Tom Sawyer is somewhere running around <laughs> but like you know otherwise like there's no there's no mountains and like there's not really like camping or anything and like yeah like you said people are climbing 14ers or they're going on this like 18 mile hike and it's just like what okay (laughs) 18 miles good for you yeah no but at the same time I think that going back to what I said earlier I think that's the beauty of my experience is where I'm exposed to things on a regular basis that I would not be exposed to back home and sure I don't want people to hear my initial statement and be like oh this isn't the place for me it's like no you have to stretch beyond your your comfort zones and I think in some weird way that also parallels the creative like journey you know Mm -hmm. a lot of us we're dormant in our creative like side or pursuits for so long. And this is our like tapping back into, you know, that side of us. Yeah. And I think that explorativeness of that journey can also parallel the explorativeness of just living in a place that's so different from like home. So I feel very blessed and grateful for it. It's not like all sad or like heavy or low. It's, it's just different, you know? Yeah. So I know that you don't plan to stay around Denver after school is over. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think you'll kind of take away from your time in Denver? Have you been here? You've been here a year? You moved here last summer? Last spring. So about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. I think what I'll take away is learning to be comfortable with myself in environments that I normally would shy away from or be uncomfortable with. Just kind of finding what my voice is and like, being comfortable taking up space in environments where I would normally be either intimidated or just kind of be like, yeah, it's not my crowd. And I think it's just kind of allowing me to realize like, you know, it's okay to be open-minded and it's Mm -hmm. okay to, um, you know, make the best of whatever circumstances happen. And when I say that, I mean like my journey, even to get into dad from moving here was still like a rocky one at first. And I just learned to kind of like, It's kind of like that effect where it's like, if you're always thinking about a yellow car, you're going to see yellow cars everywhere. So if you're always thinking about like, today is a great day, anything could happen, I can run into somebody and we can become best friends or I can meet a new person and like they can become a mentor or I can learn a new activity and it's going to be great. I'm going to end up loving it for the rest of my life. Or if you're constantly thinking of all the negative things, that's going to be what points out as well. So I think like Denver and what I, one of the things I'll take away is like, 
structuring my mind to find the the highlight or the bright spots of it all like just honestly being an alchemist and just learning yeah. how to create the reality you want no matter where you're at yeah no i think that's that's a huge life lesson and i feel like something that people constantly kind of need to be reminded of is like the impact that like your attitude can have on things mm -hmm. and knowing to take care of yourself so you can kind of take the best moments from everything. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the beautiful thing about our, my experience so far and being in the cohort that I, I came into this program with is like, I've learned a little bit of that from each of you, you know, mm -hmm. like I've been able to find a connection with, which there's only four of us in our, in our group. And I've been able to find something with each of you three to kind of be like, wow, Without this program, I probably would have never crossed paths with you or maybe like never gotten a chance to get to know you. And I did through this program and I've like learned so much that I'll take with me forever. And I know that sounds so cliche and corny and like lofty. People always say this about ad school, like you meet people and you feel like, well, I'm going to know you forever. But it really happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that is really cool. Um, and just like looking at like the people that have come here, like there's some people that are like local to Colorado and then there are other people that move halfway across the country if not further yeah. <laughs> um to like come here and so it is just really interesting kind of the meeting of like the minds and seeing everyone that kind of like comes to like form this group yeah and that's gonna be how it is when we enter the workforce officially where we're gonna be in this vulnerable space like creating something with somebody is like giving birth to something and I know that mm -hmm. sounds dramatic too but that's kind of how I think of it and you know we've been in the program long enough now where I can look back on conversations you and I have had on projects where you were the copywriter and I was the art director and then yeah. just kind of like literally there was just like a gestation period of like all right we're gonna like do sharpies and like come up with you know come up with all these different random ideas for executions of yeah. this one idea and then we're going to actually execute and then we're going to edit and then we're going to throw it away and start again and it's just like it is such a vulnerable place to be with somebody because you're if you if you are here you obviously care about what you're doing and so um it's kind of this beautiful thing of just like creating something with somebody who you're not best friends with, you just met, and you have to be in this vulnerable space with this person. You have to take their feedback into consideration. You can't be too precious. Yeah. You can't be too sensitive. And it's just like really good practice for what I think our day-to-day -day is going to be when we graduate. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well articulated. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to Georgia. Yeah. What was Shantice like growing up? What sorts <laughs> of things was Shantice into? I was a very sweet child i know that sounds like i'm tooting my own heart. hey there's no one here to disprove you i can call my mama up right now and she will tell you that i was her easiest kid there you go um i think i was just always extremely observant very 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 sensitive to the world and just like nature and animals and like i don't know somewhat like an indigo child but i didn't know what that was so i just thought i was weird the okay. whole time i was extremely creative as a kid i was always drawing drawing and if i wasn't drawing i like was always sewing stuff i wanted to be a fashion designer when i was a kid okay. nice <laughs> i actually wanted to go to scad which is where one of our classmates gunner went to for yeah. a few years and yeah i was constantly sketching i was constantly like playing around with hair and like fashion and like 
just all that stuff. I wrote a lot. I actually wrote stories as a kid. I don't think you knew that about me, but... I didn't, but honestly, that doesn't shock me really? because you, like, have, like, a knack for sometimes writing the right line or, Thank like, you. saying something very well. So, like, it doesn't surprise me there's a little bit of a writer in you. I appreciate that. I was a journalism major, which isn't creative writing at all, but, it's you know, right. you gotta write. <laughs> but, yeah, I, w- I was very much so, like, passive, and I think I was a lot, a lot different Um, My spirit is the same as a kid, you know, as an adult, but I think like how I appear to others was very different than how I am now. I think I'm a little bit more spunky and outspoken and like, just like comfortable in my space and taking up space. But as a kid, I was like super like quiet and passive and just like, I'm a Pisces. So like, I'm I'm always in my own world in my head. Yeah. So I love that. I love, I was kind of a tomboy, tom girl. Like I love being outside. I love nature. Maybe not to the level of a Coloradoan, but they're on a different level. So yeah, I mean, those are the kind of things I did. You could often find me in my room, like drawing or creating another world or my other thing I like to do is watch, um, I love HGTV as a kid. Okay. Nice. (laughs) So... When I was growing up, HGTV was channel 42, and Disney Channel was 43. Oh, perfect. You just flipped right <laughs> I just flipped back between and forth. the two. Yeah, between commercial breaks. And I think that became a part of, like, the foundation of my love of space and, like, designing space and, like, understanding okay. what space can make somebody feel like because I was watching these people create something out of nothing with these spaces and... I don't know. I've always loved like that fantasy world of escapism and like kind of stepping into another world by stepping into this room or allowing this room to like match your mood or help create your mood and just safe spaces like that as well. So I started doing that. And then oddly enough, when I was a kid, when my mom used to go to the grocery store, I would always ask her to bring back free real estate books for me. (laughs) Okay. Instead of coloring books, because I was a peculiar child. Um, (laughs) But an easy, sweet child. An easy, sweet, peculiar (laughs) child that liked real estate books. I would get her to send it to me or bring them home for me. And I would play real estate agent with my friends. And I would like be like, what's your budget? Or what do you make a year? Like hypothetically, because we were all like 12. And um, I would find homes for them and I would try to find spaces that match their vibe or match their like, you know, what they were interested in. And I think that all trickles down or trickles up into like my interests now. Sure. No, that makes sense. I want to touch on like each of those things because I think those are also interesting. So like when you were drawing and sketching, were were they just doodles? Like, was it like still life? Like what sorts Mm. of things were you drawing? I was drawing people in, like, their, like, fashions. So a lot of, like, what you would expect, like, a fashion illustrator, I guess, to draw. So it all kind of fed into that kind of fashion design interest as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I would do some landscapes here and there, but my main thing was, like, people in their outfits. Okay. Yeah. I never mastered the hands, though. (laughs) Hands are hard. Hands are hard. No, I feel like they have those, like, sculptures or whatever that it's just, like, they have a full hand and you can just contort it in whatever way so you can, like, draw each of them. And I feel like even with that, it'd be, like, super difficult. Yeah, I I definitely wasn't that deep in in the drawing to that extent, but I wanted to be better at drawing and... I don't know. I guess I just never like leaned into it. I never took art classes like as a kid. So. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's one thing I regret and I would always recommend for high schoolers or college kids or whoever like take take a art class, take a, a sketching class just because. Yeah, so in high school and college, I didn't have any more art classes or anything like that, which mm. I would have really enjoyed doing some sort of like drawing class because you know I, I like to draw. Yeah. Um, 
but I was also playing music, and so there wasn't room for both fine arts, which I always thought was kind of a miss, because, like, if you're creative in one area, you might very well be creative in other areas, yep. too, but... That's funny. That actually was my story, too. I was in chorus. Okay. <laughs> From fourth grade to 11th grade, like, consecutively, so I think that's also why I never got into drawing, because mm. I could only pick between the two, and then when I wasn't doing that, I was always, like school like like the president of my class or like president of national honor society like i did a lot of like organizations and like was on the board for a lot of organizations okay and so i think at some point you just kind of let things go and then you step into this adult type of things that you do and then you forget like oh shit i actually like liked other things that were like more creatively focused than like yeah trying to like lead a group or be be a part of an organization and um Mm -hmm. i wish that i knew to kind of like keep both at the same time but sure. you know you live and you learn so as far as fashion design yeah <laughs> uh so that like was there something that kind of like pushed you to become interested in that like where mm-hmm. you were around kind of like a fashion design like environment at all mm-hmm. um kind of where where did that come from honestly i just so I like watched a lot of TV as a kid too, okay. and I loved like the Style Channel, which I think is no longer. It's long gone by now. But mm-hmm. I, again, I think like going back to how rooms made me feel because I, when I wanted to go to SCAD, I was like, I'll either do fashion or interior design. I'll figure it out. Okay. But um, I never, <laughs> I never was way too expensive. But I think like it kind of is the same thing for me where it's just like an outfit complements your mood that day. Sure. And. There's just something so amazing to me about like that expressiveness and that individualism of like what I wore today is my mood mm-hmm. and I can learn like you they always say like most of you, most of the communication is like 70% body language. Yeah. And I'm always looking at what people are wearing and how they common how they combine certain colors or patterns and things and it speaks for you before you open your mouth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, I've just always loved it. I definitely like never pursued it. I think I'm just more so into like dressing cute. Okay. <laughs> you know, you see me every day in class just slaying, but. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. No, Naturally. I can't attest. <laughs> when I'm not wearing sweatpants or shorts, but. Um... Hey, but you rock those too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think I, it was like any specific person. I just think like style is just like always a form of expression and I just always have an appreciation for it. Shantice has a knack for coming up with really interesting experiential execution ideas in our classes together. So it's cool to hear about the origins of her interest in creating a mood with design. We're going to take a quick ad break, but then we'll be back with more of Shantice Edwards. We all know when you put your earphones in, it's because you really don't want to talk to anyone. Do you not see me with my earphones? I'm clearly on Do Not Disturb right now. With new invisibility earphones, you don't have to worry about unwanted conversation because you will literally be invisible. I love my new earphones. With them, I feel so alone together with all these people. I don't have to worry about unwanted attention when I'm slaying at the grocery store. Invisibility earphones are the perfect Halloween accessory. But please don't go robbing any banks. We're back with Shantice, where we discuss different types of creativity, how she rediscovered her creative passion after years in PR and digital marketing, and how she has felt in building her creative identity as a young black woman. 
gonna turn something that I know about you. Okay. Maybe a little against you, but oh, I want you God. to talk about it. Okay. Because I know at various points you've talked about how you are not a designer. Yes. <laughs> you are, uh, you want to be an art director, but you've expressed interest in fashion design <laughs> and interior design. Yeah. And kind of, you know, creating like a space that creates a mood and whatnot. So how... To me, that's a disconnect because it seems yeah. like you are kind of very design-minded in some ways. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. And I'm actually glad you brought this up because I wanted to talk about this at some point. But I can see how you feel like there's a disconnect because it's like, oh, design, design, design. But I think there's a difference between like in-person design, things that you're touching, and then something you're creating digitally. Okay. And I don't know if that blank canvas on the computer screen versus a body or a room is just more intimidating to me mm-hmm. or whatever, but I just feel like digitally it's not that I think I'm horrible. I just don't think it's my area of like amazingness. Um okay. it's definitely more challenging to me and I feel more comfortable talking about like aesthetics and like colors and like what we want it to feel like and what we want things to look like and the solutions we want to solve with the design but then to have that responsibility on me fully 100% is extremely intimidating because a lot of that that you hear me say comes from just like the mad respect that I have for designers like you are a specifically gifted person in this area Mm -hmm. and I don't want to come in pretending like I'm that same. I'm on that same level. And, you know, to be honest, I might get in trouble for saying this, but it's also not as much of an area of interest for things that I can, like, design in person. And I think it's also, like, insecurity, too, to be honest. Like, I'll just own that. I'm a very honest person. Like, you, you come into this space where there are people who have been doing things for years and years and years, and they have had that interest. Even as a kid, you know, maybe instead of designing clothes or watching HGTV maybe they were trying to mock up flyers or whatever and then yeah. you're you're in the same marketplace and in the same program as those kind of kids who like wake up every day and they're like I can't wait to find a new thing to design mm-hmm. and so I think it's intimidating I think students who are coming into these sort of programs one thing I've had to learn is to realize that it's not just the categories of brand strategists versus creative I mean versus copywriters versus ad, um, ad excuse me art directors it's sections within those sections as well like are you a copywriter who likes you know manifestos and more serious seriously branded tone things or are you more of like a jokester and like funny and like day-to-day casual lingo are you an art director who is pretty much a designer and could honestly have that career for the rest of their life and be very happy or are Mm -hmm. you more production based are you more you know leaning more into like strategy and concept of things, but like contributing to design as well, which is kind of where I think I'm at. And I've had to realize like there's, there are subsections of art directors who have different levels of strengths and we all deserve to be here. So you, you had a a past with digital marketing and Mm -hmm. spent some time doing that. And I, I I know you like kind of some of the strategy work as well. So Mm -hmm. like what, what did you enjoy about that? And then how did your kind of focus change to doing something that was more creative driven? Yeah. And so as I was saying earlier, like there's different type of creatives. Like I know that there are some designer 
art director creatives. There's copywriter, art director creatives. And then for me, I feel like I'm a strategist, art director creative. Okay. And I think... Who also knows how to write a little bit. <laughs> just, like a, just, <laughs> just, a, just a smidge. Um, but I think like... Um, what's piqued that interest for me. So I went to school with a journal and I graduated with a journalism degree. Um, Mm -hmm. my focus was public relations and I started working at one of like the best PR agencies in the world right after graduating college. Um, I had like a six month internship there. I was super excited. It was my dream job. Nice. I was just like, I'm about to kill this. I'm about to be the best PR person ever. And then I got there. <laughs> yeah. And the environment was so just like sterile and just like stark and like I just like every day was like I felt like I was going into a dentist's office or something. Like it was just like everybody was wearing all these like really tight professional clothes and like high heels and like there was a vibe of the office that was like super corporate and I just was like this is not me. Mm-hmm. And then additionally, I started realizing like with PR, PR is super subjective. Like you can bust your ass and like something more important can ha- just happen that same day as whatever, you know, activation you're working on. Or you could do nothing and it just like becomes this viral fluke out of nowhere. And yeah. that scared me. You know, I kind of want to have more control over my my success and my future. And so my roommate was uh, an intern as well, but she was a digital marketing intern while I was a corporate communications intern. And so we'd come home, you know, every day after the job and both kind of talk about our day to day and what happened. And every time she told me about her job um, in digital marketing, specifically in paid search. So like Google, Bing and Yahoo, I was like, man, that's real cool. Like, I like that. So I (laughs) I was a very zealous intern who took that, you know, direction of like, oh, if you guys have any areas of improvement for us for this internship like we're all ears which a lot of times really doesn't mean that sometimes and if you find your place if you find yourself in a place like that I highly suggest you go and so I said okay cool I did like a whole SWOT analysis of why the internship should be a rotational program so people can learn like where they fit best yeah including the creative um interns and they were just like <laughs> this is cute but no we're <laughs> We're going to keep it how it is. It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your feedback. Move yeah. along. Like, um, <laughs> you should just be happy that you're here. <laughs> yeah. So I interviewed for another job within the digital marketing space with another internship, got that job, left, and I never looked back. I started in paid search and I was in that for, I've been in search for maybe like four years. Okay. And so over those four years, you know, I learned a really great skill and I really enjoyed it. But what ended up happening was I started like resenting my job. I kind of felt like I was just this robot every day that was just kind of like always talking about performance metrics and like optimizations Mm -hmm. and like all this stuff. And like that stuff's really cool and it's still an area of interest. (laughs) I freelance on the side if you need to But I didn't want that to be the rest of my life. Because once you're in search for a few years, like, you move up the ladder pretty quickly. Okay. So at this point in my career, I got to have a lot more energy towards this because I'm either going to become a strategist and lead the entire search team or I get into, like, analytics and, like, data science, which is a totally different, like, that's, like, the left side of the brain type stuff. Right. So I realized, like, 
I don't have it in me. It wouldn't be fair to like keep doing this and knowing that like I'm not really interested in like leading a whole department or like being curious about what Google is doing today. It's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but like it, it doesn't get me out of bed every morning. It did because it was my check, but like, <laughs> so I wasn't it, happy about it. It held interest, but it wasn't like passion inducing. Yeah, I saw that what the rest of my life was going to start looking like or perceivable okay. career life and I was just like, yeah, I don't think so. And so, I found myself being more interested in like what's the copy of the ads that were running and how does that sound? Does it feel good? What are the creative assets that the display team are running and oh, that should be, you know, moved down and that should be a different color and mm-hmm. like that doesn't go well together or that goes really well together. How'd you do that? Show me more. I also, at the same time, realized, like, all the people I hung out with that weren't in my department were all the creative people. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, like, everywhere I went, I was always eating lunch with the creative team and, like, talking with them. And then suddenly I was like, why am I not doing this? I love advertising. I just want to be in a different part of it. Like, I want to be in a different department. So, I... Every agency you ever work for will always say like, oh, well, when you get here, we love talent. We try to retain talent. So if you want to switch from this department to that department, we'll find a pipeline to get you there. It's a lie. (laughs) Sorry, I don't want to yell, but it's all a lie. Um, I tried that for a while. I was like, okay, well, I want to get from search into the creative department because I just want to like see how this goes. And... Every single chance I got, I tried, and every single answer or response was, what do you do? What's your portfolio? Let me see your portfolio. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I don't even know like how to work Photoshop or Illustrator. Like, I don't even know how this even starts, but I promise I think I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, that wasn't working, so... Take a chance on me, please. I got yeah. a lot of heart. I got a lot of heart, you know. I work really hard, but no, they didn't care about that, so... Yeah. I was like, well, okay, let me let me take this seriously and start investing in some creative classes. So I, after, you know, my very um, demanding job would go into the General Assembly. General Sem- Assembly is a company that does like workshop classes and um, like short, like six week classes and stuff. Their main focus is like UX and like coding, but they do have some visual design courses. Okay. So I uh, started taking some of their like Photoshop boot camps and, you know, stuff like that. And I met Dan from Artist King. He was an instructor one time and we just really connected. He's an artist, an illustrator, a muralist, a tattoo artist. Like he's just a jack of all trades creatively. I told him about my struggle, where I was at. I was like, you know, I'm doing well in my career, but I'm not really passionate about it to do this forever. And if I'm doing so well in something I don't really care about, like a hundred percent, then I think I could do even better in something I actually give more of a fuck about. He was like, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to like overhaul your whole mind. Cause it's not just about like Photoshop and Illustrator and all these programs. That's just the tools. But the, the soul of what you do is, is your like creativity, your insides. And at the same time, I realized I was kind of getting into this like somewhat of a depression because I just was just work was just like getting so demanding and it was cool I was doing well but I just was like just felt empty every day so it's one thing to be like good at your job but it's a very different thing to be to feel fulfilled from it yeah like 
absolutely like, literally that so I'm a very spiritual person and so I got a divination which is like a reading done from this lady that I I work I trust a lot and she told me straight up she was like your ancestors are screaming at me about how creative you are even your astrological chart has these placements everywhere and you're not doing anything creative like even outside of work I wasn't doing anything I wasn't drawing I wasn't painting I wasn't doing anything really yeah For, so like we talked about you you drew you were interested in fashion design you were in chorus yeah you did all these creative things and even i suspect like journalism like if you're doing some sort of like writing related assignments something like that like there's mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of creativity goes in that but so you weren't doing anything, anything. in your own I wasn't um, outside of slaying and being cute in my outfits. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and the accessorizing. Um, no, I wasn't. Um, the only thing that I was doing, I guess, create- creatively was redecorating my room. And I okay. was just like, I love this. Why can't I do this more often? And so she told me that my ancestors were like, you know, if you don't use this gift that you've been blessed with, they're going to take it away from you because it's just being wasted. And that scared the shit out of me. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's time to make some changes. So, um, I, like I said, I going back to Dan, I connected with him and he started becoming my creative mentor. He would give me like assignments, like draw 10 things. And the next time we see each other, I want to see those 10 things and cre- critique them or okay. redo this random flyer in Photoshop, which I had no skills at that time. <laughs> and like, let me see, you know, wh- where your mind is working with. So I started doing that. How did that feel? Uh, terrifying. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, okay, I think we're so used to, like, that instant gratification of, like, I'm finally here at the summit of my existence, and, like, things are finally making sense. But, like, the crazy thing about being a creative is, like, it really is, it kind of is terrifying because you are taking all these thoughts and, and visions that you have inside and you're showing them outside and you're just letting people touch it then. Yeah. And this side of me has always been super like private, you know, like yeah. nobody, nobody saw these things. And so I think you were asking me earlier, how long did it lie dormant? Like over a decade, like wow. truly, like I was probably once I started getting into like leadership roles in high school, kind of just like let it all go really yeah I was raised by a single mom and so I think a part of my childhood is um I was always worried about finances I was always worried about being secure financially and making sure that I could provide for myself and like help family out and things like that and so at some point I just kind of like shut down this imaginative imaginative side of myself and was only focused on like how much money I'm gonna make how much security will I have? This, that, and the third. Sure. And I remember one day somebody was like, you have to like be happy with your job. And I remember my like know-it-all teenage self was like, as long as I'm making a certain amount of money, I can keep, I can be happy outside of my job. Yeah, I'll be happy when I get home at five o'clock. <sighs> Never works. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Never works. I wish somebody was like, girl, you don't know what you're talking about. I was like, okay, well, I'm liking these classes. Even though it was terrifying, I was really liking like what I was doing. And so I was like, okay, well... Let me invest more. Um, so I didn't, I, at this point, was kind of learning what portfolio school was. I had never heard of it until around this chapter of my life. And I was like, well, that's a lot. I'm not really sure if I'm ready to like give up the money that I'm making and my security that was something that I had to like mentally work through. 
especially if I'm already in market in these advertising agencies, maybe I'll just do like one or two things and that'll be enough. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a lot enough. Yeah. So I started going to this evening class part program from Emory in Atlanta called the Continuing Education Program which they do these graphic design like certifications. Okay. So at this point, I'm thinking I want to be a graphic designer, mm-hmm. which, as you know... <laughs> it's not the case anymore, but you didn't know that then. I didn't know. You got, it's more important to learn what you don't want than what you do want at this point in time. Sure. So I was taking those courses, which were really expensive and, and very time-consuming, but it was kind of like, okay, if... Once I'm finished with this, I'll know if I want to invest in portfolio school, the time and the money. And I got done with the program and I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. I'm ready. And so I started looking at schools in Atlanta as well as Chicago because I love Chicago. And I just wasn't really, nothing made sense. Like either it was too expensive or it was too long of a program or whatever. It just or was, both. Or both. <laughs> Usually both. And... Around that time, I was on Fishbowl, the career app, and I was in the Denver Boulder Bowl because I have family who live in Aurora. And I was like, well, it would be a nice market to kind of like go to. Um, And I've always liked Denver, despite the first few minutes of our conversation. (laughs) I've been liking Denver since I was 16 and my family moved, some of my family moved here. So I um, put in the Denver Bowl like, hey, does anybody know of any ad programs? Like there's only a handful in the United States and... Not really like connecting with any of these. And the one that I wanted to go to was kind of having like weird financial issues at the time. I won't name any names. <laughs> and either Heather or Jesse was like, this is real top secret, but there might be an ad school starting, you know, next year in Denver. And I was like, oh shit, this is, this is awesome. This is what I'm looking for. And then yeah. things started moving from there. That was my really long answer, but <laughs> details matter from an art director. So for sure. So after spending, like you said, like almost a decade not embracing your creative side, Mm -hmm. you've kind of been rediscovering your creative identity. Mm -hmm. How has that felt for you and how has that identity kind of shaped uh, kind of the the work that you're doing and what, what makes you kind of excited or interested in like kind of doing these new things and creating things now? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, with my identity, like, I'm, I'm a black woman. I don't know if you guys can see me or if there's going to be a picture associated to this, uh, this posting. But I think, like, with that, I find so much pride and joy in, in that identity. But it's also really hard sometimes to ex- exist in, in spaces that might not have a lot of people who look like me in it. And I think like, as I have learned my voice as a creative, I'm trying to learn how to be, how to illustrate some of the things from my culture um, and how to add some of that context to the conversation when we're doing ad creation or um, ideation of concepts and stuff. So I think like, there's this unique balance of like, I can't be the voice of all of my people, but -hmm. at the same time, I want to make sure that I am considering things that maybe I'm only I from my experience might consider in these conversations. And so I think finding my identity as a creative has also been somewhat revolutionary, which sounds like another big word, but it really is to be both female and black in these spaces. And, you know, that's also not the only thing that is my identity. I, I like a lot of things and and um, I connect with a lot of cultures outside of my own. So I think like 
just trying to figure out how to funnel all of that through a constructive and productive work session with my classmates is something that I'm discovering within my own creative identity. Shantice is a very mindful and empathetic person, which makes her a great person to collaborate with. It should not be shocking then that in this week's Ask the Host segment, we talked about my experience going from being in my own creative bubble to collaborating with classmates and the trust that goes into these new creative relationships in school. I want to, I do have a couple questions for you. Yikes. No, no, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Do you like, I know we've talked a little bit about like being somebody who might have been creatively dormant for a while and then tapping back in. Do you relate at all to those experiences? So I think for me, I was someone who was always very creative kind of growing up. And when I finished college, I didn't take into account just how many things that I was doing were in fact creative and kind of like we talked about I thought that oh I'll be creative or do the things I enjoy when I get home Mm -hmm. when I'm not working I worked for over three years for an insurance company and it's a good job for those who like it but I didn't like it (laughs) so I was used to like from Uh, middle school through the end of college being involved in like writing things for English class I love to read I like to draw in my free time I played trumpet and French horn in multiple ensembles so like I was used to doing all these different creative things but then once I left college and there wasn't like all that time built in to like go play in like the symphonic winds ensemble or the jazz band or something like that Mm mm-hmm then it was kind of like I had to pick and choose when I was going to be creative. And I felt that that was something that usually got pushed to the side more often than not because Mm. I moved back home and I would spend time with family. I had some friends from high school that were still around or uh, I play ultimate Frisbee. And so like whenever it was nice out, I would go do that rather than stay inside and do something creative. So kind of throughout my period in between finishing undergrad and then uh, working before coming here, I spent some free time uh, doing creative writing. Either like I, I was part of a team that we had like a, like a Dundee's like fake Oscars night and we like made up like sketches and stuff. And so like I wrote little things for that. Mm. And then I would also worked on a couple longer form like novel like things um just for creative writing and i i really enjoyed that time that i got set aside to do those things and i found i had a lot more passion for those than than my work so it never went completely dormant but it was definitely where it was like this is an itch and i'm like trying to just scratch it a little bit but Mm. it's not going away yeah i could see that I think, too, like, me being in art school, like, it kind of has just opened the floodgates for that side of me and that part of you that you were kind of, like, tiptoeing in, but, mm-hmm. like, not really, like, fully in. And um, one of the coolest things that I'm realizing about myself is, like, you know, I'm suddenly drawing again or, like, I'm painting again or I'm, like, thinking of spaces and now 
even though I say I'm not a designer, like I'm the creative director of my friend's like tea business and that requires a lot of design work and like photo shoots and like stuff like that. And I'm, I'm realizing I'm not just creative in one way. And, you know, I don't have to be on Basquiat's level of success or notoriety (laughs) to consider myself in that way. So I think it's important that people who are considering this industry, they realize, you know, a lot of us just realize you could do this full time, be a creative full time and get paid pretty well for it. So what do you, you don't have to name names, but like, (laughs) what is your, what has your experience been like collaborating with your cohort? I don't know if you want to like keep it anonymous and like name an experience per person or like just have a general (laughs) response. But in general, I feel like it's been very refreshing and very challenging at various points. Mm -hmm. I think you were talking about it very well earlier and it made me think that when you are collaborating with someone else, like you instantly just kind of have to start clicking Mm -hmm. and there's a certain amount of like vulnerability that goes into just being like, what if we did this or what if we did that? And just kind of like putting those ideas out there to let someone else comment on them right away but with that challenge too there's so much like opportunity for stuff to like grow which i think is really cool and for um, ideas to uh, improve and kind of adjust and just fit whatever situation or challenge you're doing so i think that's that's been really cool for me and especially coming from a a previous job previous kind of career route where there wasn't any collaboration and everyone was kind of in their own box. It's really neat to kind of get that exchange of ideas back and forth with people. And because of the, the just different people from different backgrounds that are here, like working, it's not like you're working with the same person every time or even like the same personality. Everyone thinks a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Everyone has different like things that they bring to the table, which I think is really cool too. So, like, overall, like, I, it's been an incredibly positive and very kind of, like, uplifting experience that it's, like, yeah, there are other people that are, like, excited about doing this, these creative things, mm-hmm. too. And so, it's just very, very exhilarating and fun. Yeah. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier with, like, finding something to connect with within your group that you're with throughout the program and... I think it's really, really important. I think you said it really well about having to click with somebody before the work makes sense. Mm-hmm. And like, I think what I do now, what I've learned now so far in the program is like, before I start working with anybody, if it's like my first go with them or first time really getting a, a chance to talk with them, I just like want to talk about life first for yeah. for however long that conversation lasts. Talk about, you know, your areas of interest or you know what how you how you view the world what's your take on certain current events and things like that and there becomes this chemistry like you have to kind of date each other i guess in a way yeah. non non romantically and kind of just figure out like okay you just start kind of like understanding how your partners work yeah. i didn't realize I mean, I always knew advertising was collaborative, but being a creative is like especially collaborative because you are oftentimes even hired, you know, as a pair for your, you know, post portfolio school first like job or gig. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, I think that's highly important. And I think for me, I had a hard time, like, I was just nervous and, like, anxious. And I had a hard time at first finding, you know, a way to, like, connect with everybody, not because anybody was mean or rude or whatever. I think I was just in my own head and just trying to, like, adjust to such newness all around. But I think... I'm far enough in the program now where I feel a little bit more relaxed, I feel a little more comfortable. I don't think that you're in the right place if you're not a little nervous or terrified because you can't come in here cocky. You've really got to like be a student. And I think the best people to work with are those who kind of have a little bit of caution, but are like willing to be fearless with you when it comes down to like doing some really cool work. I think the last question I'll ask you is... To get back to flipping things back on you, since you did it to me, okay. what are the, some of the challenging aspects of of collaborating with of collaborating people? with people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. Uh, um, I think there the challenge sometimes is just to kind of develop that creative chemistry Mm -hmm. it's one thing to be like willing to like put yourself out there with your ideas but I think it's maybe even more so important to hear what someone else is saying and then be able to build on that or Mm -hmm. take a nugget out of there that's like good and improve upon it Rather than just saying, like, no, that's not my idea. Or, like, no, I don't think that fits. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of goes back to that idea, like, that in improv that Jesse loves to throw around of, like, yes and. (laughs) Where it's, like, are you taking something that your partner is saying and then building upon it? Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes it just, it's hard because you don't have that initial familiarity to then build on what the um, the other person's saying for them to kind of build on what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But then once you kind of spend some time getting to know each other and then working with each other, then I feel like it kind of blossoms and it you can hit the ground rolling kind of as the, the next kind of brief or project comes your way. Yeah, I can totally see that for sure. Yeah, I felt a lot that like when we were in class last quarter and we were working with people two weeks in a row, I always thought that the second week was a lot better me too. for me just because, um, yeah, I felt like we, the, the two people had an understanding and then the work was better. Yeah. And I, I feel like our teacher who set it up like that kind of like that was in his intention, which just comes mm-hmm. with being in the industry long enough to kind of know what to look out for. And, there is a shyness there like when you first get to know somebody and the intimidation of like am I good enough like am I yeah are we gonna like make sense are you gonna hear me and I think like some of the same manners and considerations you place in your like personal relationships have to be even more considered in this particular sort of professional relationship because you know as we said earlier you're kind of giving birth to something together and it doesn't work if you like you do your writing over there and I do my art directing over here and then we just throw the shit together before class. It yeah. it really does work a lot better when you sit with each other face to face in person and you sketch and you talk through things and I find that's when some of the best works happens. Best work happens when I uh, 
just sit and we just start talking about stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I might say something that sparks something in your mind, or you might say something that sparks something in my mind. And then, you know, we got the ball ball rolling then. So, Yeah. yeah, I feel like that really helps like your, like each other's understanding of the idea and it helps the idea grow. And then as it grows, so too does like the stuff that you're creating from it. Absolutely. I think also being a creative in advertising is like the most specifically uh, catered industry for like the work wife, work husband (laughs) sort of thing. Cause you really are every day in the trenches with somebody. And last thing I'll say too um, about collaboration is you know, being in digital marketing, it was all about, you know, um, like scholastic intelligence, I guess, or okay. the intelligence of the job, which is cool. Like you, you are pretty much like doing MBA type stuff without the MBA. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those people who are successful in that sort of industry are not emotionally intelligent at all. Like they mm-hmm. don't give a shit about how you feel. They don't care how they said it. They don't care if they told you to do something and you got an hour to turn it around. It just is what it is, right. which I think I needed a little bit of that. I, it definitely kind of gave me a little bit more of a tougher skin and heightened my professionalism, I believe. But I think in this industry, it's imperative to have emotional intelligence. And without that, <laughs> the collaboration can get really awkward, weird, forced, whatever. And that's probably been one of my favorite things is discovering how how I can kind of like mold my not mold myself but um how I can insert myself into my partner's life through an emotionally intelligent way so considering if they had a move that weekend they might be a little extra tired so maybe I'll bring them coffee or you know maybe they're going through a breakup so we just kind of like just sit with each other for a few minutes and just kind of let them decompress or, you know, maybe they're having a really good week and we just turn up together. Like, I don't know. But that's definitely one of my favorite things about working with you so far is like, I feel like you're extremely emotionally, emotionally intelligent. <laughs> um, sometimes a little too intelligent because <laughs> I can't hide anything from you. But <laughs> we've, we've got that trust now where it doesn't freak me out that you like peep every little facial expression and thought that's going through my mind. Oh, that's good. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's. I think it's definitely one of your most endearing qualities. So uh, getting back to collaboration, I think, you know, like I said earlier, you end up leaving feeling like, wow, that person is really dope. And I might not have ever like got to know him to that level or her Mm. to that level without kind of being in this pressure cooker together. Yeah, it's like it's not just a matter of like going through and only knowing someone professionally. I feel like you have to. Like when you collaborate with them, you have to have some understanding of them personally too, yeah. which is really cool. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Shanties Edwards will finish at Denver Ad School after the winter 2021 quarter. I'm Jeff Ollery. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Ad.